This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. I'm Dan Loney, host of Knowledge at Wharton, weekdays, 10 a.m. East on Sirius XM 111. Recently, Wall Street lawyer Jay Clayton was nominated to be the head of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Knowledge at Wharton had the opportunity to interview Mr. Clayton in 2015 about corporate security issues, specifically surrounding cyber. Mr. Clayton is joined by David Lawrence, founder of the Risk Assistance Network and Exchange, and Mukul Pandya, editor-in-chief of Knowledge at Wharton. Later this week, we're going to be taking our, our show on the road once again and heading to New York City to be part of a conference with some of the biggest names in the area of corporate security and cybersecurity. Our friends at the RAIN Network are hosting the event titled Cybersecurity in the Boardroom, Managing Business, Legal, and Reputational Risks. RAIN Network founder David Lawrence is here to look at uh, what's on the docket. Also with us are Jay Clayton from the law firm of Sullivan and Cromwell in New York City, and he's also the co-head of the firm's cybersecurity group. And joining me for this segment, Mukul Pandya, who is the editor-in-chief of Knowledge Award and my boss as well. So I better do a good job here. <laughs> Gentlemen, great to have you on the show. Thanks very much for coming in. David, great to see you again. Great to be here. Thanks again. Thank you. Jay, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I, I, look, I mentioned the IRS hacking incident, David, and, and it's seemingly the hacks just keep on coming, the IRS one being the latest. I, I don't think we're at a point where we, we should ever expect that, that hacking is going to go away. I think we would like to, but I, I don't know if we can expect it to go away. I think that's the point and part of the reason behind our effort in working with Knowledge at Wharton is that uh, this is the gift that keeps giving. And until <laughs> there is a coordinated uh, effort and that it is recognized as something beyond a technology issue, uh, you're going to con continue to see not only an increasing volume but increasing seriousness around the types of attacks. And that's uh, one of the reasons for our conference because they're, some of the smartest people are now worried about severe threats to our infrastructure, to our safety, security, and to our economy. Jay? I echo what Dave said. And, uh, you know, this is a systemic issue. Um, it's a systemic issue with systemic consequences. And I think people are starting to recognize that with that type of issue, an independent or isolated response is completely ineffective. And it's time to, uh, time to up the ante on uh, coordinating. But we've seen, obviously, a, an unbelievable run, and, and obviously there are more hacks than we have seen in the news, but the big ones that we've seen, Target, you know, various health systems, now the IRS, uh, we're talking about something that if you're a company and you don't have it as, if not item one on your list, it's got to be 1A, you're really dropping the ball at this point. Well, yes, that's, that's I think, the, the first way to look at this. Unfortunately, you see some people looking at this as I've just got to stay one step ahead of wherever the um, wherever the industry is or yeah. the or the black industry is, and that may be a short-term solution, but uh, it is not a long-term solution to this problem. No, we we saw uh, 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 Jay and David the in the aftermath, especially of different financial uh, meltdowns, that the government has stepped in to regulate uh, things. So, for example, we saw Sarbanes-Oxley, we saw Dodd-Frank. That creates, uh, especially for board members, certain roles and responsibilities in terms of monitoring the performance of management. Are there any requirements legally that uh, boards have to uh, look into cybersecurity as an emerging threat at companies? 
So I think um, you're right. And I think part of what Jay, I, and many others in both the private and public sector would like to see is an avoidance of some of the adversarial friction that comes when industries are heavily regulated. This is the risk with that we're all in together. And uh, the authorities will never be in a position to say, if you do X, Y, and Z, everything will be fine. Uh, they'll use terms like risk-based approach, reasonable measures. But the point here is that this is such, as Jay said, such a systemic exposure that this requires a collaborative effort. So, Dan, one way to think about this is that the Internet, which was a wonderful invention, just was not built to respond to or to contain these broad-based risks, which include emerging criminal organizations, yeah. state-sponsored activities, hacktivists, et cetera. And we're all traveling on the same highway, but without the necessary guardrails. And the threats that you've referenced are only the ones that are disclosed. We refer sure. to this as the iceberg. You see part of it above. The fact of the matter is that because of technology, uh, because of the nature of the risks, because of the international exposures, because of the sponsors behind these various threats, this is going to take a collaborative effort. Regulations will be helpful, but will not be enough. Yeah, let me let me um, come back to your question there, Mukul. Um, yes, board members do have responsibilities for things like cybersecurity. They have a duty of care, um, but that that can't be where the responsibility stops. It it would be completely ineffective to have a system where each individual company or each individual entity had responsibility and there was no collective effort. What, uh, from the, the, the aspect of the firm that you work for with Sullivan Cromwell, what really is the most important thing that you have to put forward on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of the cybersecurity? Because you're talking about a firm that obviously, I'm sure, has some very important clients and, and some very important information that, that you have to, to, to keep uh, you know, in close stead. That's, uh, we, have a, we have a wide variety of clients who, yep. who, I will say, are at different levels of preparedness and, and, and awareness of this issue. Yeah. Um, probably correlated closely with the industries they're in. Yeah. So there are, are an array of, uh, of different things, but, but most importantly, it's awareness. Yeah. It's awareness of the issue, where it's going, what the risks are, um, and, and what, the, what the state of the art is. But I think companies are really looking for a level of coordination, and it started. It started yeah. within industries. There are some great groups together in the financial services industry, in the communications industry that are starting to share information, yeah. but it needs to go broad. I was going to ask you, if is there enough sharing going on right now uh, as a whole? Obviously, you know, David, with, with the conference we were at uh, that you hosted back in the fall, uh, there were some unbelievable people in terms of the Washington, D.C. community uh, that were there. The idea was to share and get these topics out on the, out on the, on the front burner. So the short answer is we don't think there has been enough sharing. And one of the reasons we're working with Knowledge at Wharton is to disseminate not only the information that people need to make informed decisions, but how do you get to the best people? How do you drive the collaboration? How do you continue to share in a community sense uh, what it is that needs to be known? Too often, Dan, we fight yesterday's battles, and yep. we don't see what's coming. And look, the IRS attack was just the most recent. The White House had its emails breached, yep. the FBI in the past, and there have been numerous instances. And one might argue, reasonably, if the government, with all its resources, has difficulty managing this risk, yep. what chance do private sectors have? And so part of this is to bring the public and private sector together, because the stakes are so high. And as we've seen with the financial crisis, we saw it in 9-11, 
We've seen it in other types of instances of natural disasters. If the public and private sectors are not working together, this is going to end up very badly. Well, so both of you mentioned, and I think most experts would now agree that cybersecurity is a multidimensional problem. Uh, what are your thoughts on why has it been so difficult for public and private players to come together to offer the kind of coordinated response that both of you have been referring to? Well, I think one of the factors is how quickly we've become so interdependent, Mokul. I mean, this this has really you know caught fire in terms of mm. interdependency, individual firm dependency, um, and we all viewed the internet as costless. But in actuality, there's a very big cost, a security cost imposed on all of us when you become so dependent. Well, and that's something that, that a, a lot of companies, I think a lot of them realize, I, I know people that are in the IT industry that work in the retail sector, and like I said at the open, they see it as a cost, which is, it, it boggles the mind that, you know, in this day and age of seeing hack after hack after hack after hack, and the fact that it's not going to slow down, that you could even have this philosophy within a company. And, and that's that's really probably the frustrating thing on a lot of levels that they're more, as you said, uh, are more willing to be, to look at it as something that if we can get by, we're in good shape. That way we're not affecting our bottom line as much as we probably need to. Yeah, and, and just to um, just to go back to how, how rapid this has been, if you went back 10 years ago and you were going to a company that was going to do an IPO, they needed to have an internet strategy yeah. for sales. If they didn't have an internet strategy, people didn't want to look at that company. And you know you had to adapt it, you had to push forward, or you weren't going to be competitive. And now we're at the point where people have adapted, people have pushed forward, they've become dependent, and we're at a new phase. And it's a phase where you know the costs are coming to the fore, and we've we've really got to work on how to deal with it efficiently. Yeah, and Dan, I look, I think there's a fundamental issue also: who bears the cost? Sure. Should this be borne by the individual companies, or is this part of what government is about in terms of broad protections? And uh, you know what I would emphasize to all the listeners is that this situation is trending in a bad way right now. Yeah. It's not going to get better. And unfortunately, we have a sort of blame the victim mentality right now. If a company gets hacked, uh, the perpetrators are seldom brought to trial. Yeah. And it's always about the company's faults. And I liken this uh, to, you know, a almost Alice in Wonderland outcome <laughs> where um, people who are victimized stand trial. They stand trial for being attractive. They stand trial for not doing enough to protect themselves. And then when the attackers come for not fending it off and they have to pay dearly around this. So uh, if we take a step back from looking at just the situation of individual companies and look at it as a broader social issue. Uh, Knowledge at Wharton is going to publish this week an opinion piece uh, co-authored by the two of you and several a few other people in the industry uh, calling for the, the setting up of a cyber threat commission very similar to the 9-11 commission uh, to, to deal with this as a focal point for a coordinated response. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what this commission can and should be? So I think, um, and Jay will amplify this, um, out of the tragedy of 9-11, something very positive was created, a bipartisan group that actually worked together and actually operated in Washington, D.C., sure. of all places, that brought together the information that said, we're going to go beyond blaming individuals and institutions, and we're going to try to set up a model 
by which risks such as these can be managed more effectively, efficiently, and that we don't have to wait for these big events before we respond. And we recently reread the commission report many times over, and I urge your listeners to access it. It's, it's available online. It is not your traditional government report. It's yeah. written in a very compelling narrative. The signatories to the report are remarkable people. And the basic proposition that Jay, I, and others have put forward, if we can undertake an effort like this after a crisis, why not do it before? Have we then, have we retreated then from uh, the the aftermath of 9-11 where we had that great uh, uh, sharing of information? Have we pulled back a little bit off of that? Well, I think, um, and both of you have raised the right questions. Look, there was a debate in Washington that ended very late last night. That didn't really end. Yeah. There are difficult issues here about information <laughs> sharing and mm -hmm. privacy and what is the scope and reach of the government, what what are the obligations of the private sector, what are the rights of citizens and enterprises. Those things have to be resolved. I think the point that J.I. and the other authors would make is that in the spirit of a 9-11 commission, where everybody in the room already recognizes that this may be the next big threat, if we have a model where we can bring the best people together, we can analyze the situation, we can explain it in a clear narrative, and we can offer recommendations that all can adopt. Why not do it in advance of a crisis? So who, who would the members of this commission be, and what would they do? Well, let, let me um, let me say this: the way the commission would be made up would be to recognize that you can't push this problem to the private sector because they can't do it on their own, and if it's just a federal response, the private sector won't be integrated, and the vulnerabilities start there as much as anywhere else. So it would be a, a collective effort of experts from both the private and public sector. Um, trying to answer some of the some of the forward-looking questions we have here, not what has happened or what the risks are, but, but where we're going and how we should share this responsibility going forward, who or what groups own this going forward. I think you can only do that with top people from both from both government, the law enforcement community, and, and frankly, the best people in the private sector. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. We're talking about uh, the uh, the push of cybersecurity in the boardroom. We're joined by uh, Jay Clayton, who is from the law firm of Sullivan and Cromwell in New York City. He's also the co-head of their cybersecurity group, David Lawrence, who is the founder of the Rain Network, and also Mukul Pandya, who is the uh, editor-in-chief of Knowledge at Wharton. I, I guess... Going back to, David, what we saw in Washington, D.C. in the fall uh, when we were down there at, at the RAIN Network conference uh, a few months ago, the, the want is there to do it. The want is absolutely there to do it. I guess the process of getting it done and, and the want is still something that, that has to be mitigated at this point. I think that's right, Dan. And it's one of the reasons why we put this piece out. We wrote collaboratively. We'll solicit comments through knowledge at Wharton. And what I would emphasize is the want is absolutely there. And most importantly, I will tell you that the expertise is also there. Yeah. It just has to be organized. And at some point, certain people will have to become vocal and actually demand this. Um, unfortunately, when you have a crisis, the demand is contained within the crisis. We don't have a crisis yet. Uh, but <laughs> rest assured, by what all the experts are saying, uh, it is not a matter of if, it's when. So this is a challenge. Uh, for the citizens, the elected officials, the business heads, et cetera, to think about how they want to approach this risk and at what inflection point they, they want to seek to try to manage it. 
Looking to uh, some of the other factors that are related to cybersecurity, uh, we have seen such a huge proliferation of social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook. To, to what degree do you think these aggravate the problem and make it worse? Or, or, or could they also lie, lie the seeds of a solution lie within social networks? Well, I think you're right. It's both. Um, our, obviously, our interconnectivity is what has led to the, you know, the magnitude of this problem. But it also means that making people aware of this problem, which is a premise of what David's talking about, about the demand for coordination, is, is much easier. I mean, people recognize that their own information is quite vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And you know, we believe that they'll be pushing for this type of focal point for an organized effort going forward. Is the concern uh, uh, also the fact that, as we alluded to before, you've heard of, obviously, the big-name incidents that have happened, but hacking incidents happen with every company every day, sometimes all hours of the day, night, morning, whatever, and that maybe is why, David, we it's not perceived as a quote-unquote crisis at this point? Yeah, so there's a lot that has yet to be disclosed. Uh, from enterprises, very often they don't know they've been hacked, um, some way government agencies. But let me sort of summarize the issue. Um, some of the smartest minds have, have stated that one of the greatest thefts in the history of mankind has occurred around money, intellectual property, and uh, state secrets. Mm -hmm. Secondly, there's been a transference of a great amount of wealth, innovation, and knowledge that will start to appear, and that transference will be clear. And then third, what we have here are fundamental threats to our basic infrastructure, whether you refer to energy, transportation, health, finance, et cetera. And um, the real question here is um, almost the human capacity to understand risk mm -hmm. and want to respond in advance. And to Mukul's point just around social media, the one thing that did not really exist when the 9-11 Commission published was these wonderful networks of social media. And I don't think anyone has a monopoly on the expertise or the ideas. So the notion here, Dan, is can this risk not only be approached, managed, and done so on a bipartisan cooperative effort beforehand, but let's reach out to a lot of sources that ordinarily we could not touch who may very well have some very, very important input and ideas around this space. You, you both referred to the risk of cyber uh, threats, and I think that's exactly the right way to look at it. And when we look at solutions to risks traditionally, uh, they have often come from the insurance industry. Uh, where do you see the insurance industry stand on dealing with cyber threats? And are there any solutions that you see either today or on the horizon that could help uh, mitigate part of the risk? Well, they are involved. But the question Dan asked about our knowledge of what types of incidents, the effects of those incidents, um, bears on that. You can only insure risks that you understand. Mm. And there is sure. a there is a lack of data and information about what the risks are and what the effects are at the company level, which makes, which makes writing comprehensive insurance quite difficult. But I would think that if, you, if you're an insurance company and you're in this industry and you're used to you know, having data at your fingertips to be able to assess risk, that even if you didn't have that data right now, you would want to go out and try and recruit that data right, right now because of the fact that this is... This is not a small issue right now. No, and I think they very much are. And it's yeah. and, you know, look, I'm a I'm a big believer in the 
in the um, value of the private sector and the contribution the private sector can can make. And I'm I'm hoping that insurance companies are able to step up their coverage limits, able to step up their uh, their uh, lack of exceptions to use insurance speak and and get really involved here. It's still in its infancy, and uh, AIG is one of the partners in our conference, mm-hmm. and uh, they've done a wonderful job in gathering data, but they have made it very clear there's a lot more work to be done. But the one thing I would like to emphasize to your listeners is that not all loss is compensatable with sure. money. Yeah. And uh, some of this deals with some very, very important uh, state secrets, um, intellectual property from companies that mm-hmm. they can't even begin to calculate yet. And then third, um, threats to the infrastructure, as we saw with 9-11 and the tragedies that occurred and the disruption and the loss of life and opportunities and the broad psychological impact it had on people. You cannot value that in terms of dollars and cents. So insurance is a component to management of the risk, but by no means is this a a majority of of what is needed. Coming back to the conference and the rules and responsibilities of board members, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a book written by one of our colleagues here at Wharton, Mike Yassim, uh, and a couple of other people. The title of the book is Boards That Lead. And the basic thesis of his, uh, basic premise of his book is that boards can't be content with just monitoring how managements are performing uh, and, and ensuring that they are are going to comply with existing rules and regulations, that boards really need to be proactive in providing leadership uh, to to go beyond simple monitoring to to actually helping growth. Uh, How how do you think in this space of cyber security, how could boards provide leadership? Well, going back to our theme of cooperation, for for companies to cooperate with the government and for companies to cooperate um, with others in their industry, you you do need board buy-in and board sign-off. And and that is is an area where I think boards can lead, and and they are leading, um, in particular in in the financial services and communications industry. They are allowing their companies to go out and make these connections, but that needs to be done on a broader basis. I would also say the leadership is not just within the companies where they serve, but it goes broader. This is we, you know, a theme that Jay and I want to emphasize. This is very much a public interest yeah. matter. So to the extent you have people who have voices that are heard a little more loudly, a little more broadly than some of the other individuals who can speak out, um, we very much think that, you know, the board members have a um, an opportunity that goes beyond their individual corporations. It's interesting. Yeah, I, that was just the point I was going to bring up because you will have those investors within companies that have a little bit more influence uh, than others and have the ability to put the pressure on a little bit more. And those are the people that, that will end up being the people that will, will affect the change in a lot of these cases, right? Mm-hmm. And look, the nature of government these days, it's very much episodic, Dan. And uh, this is, you know, we can continue to fight yesterday's battles. We can continue to play whack-a-mole around this uh, (laughs) particular issue. Or we can, uh, while doing our day-to-day duties, sort of take a step back. And that's really the point of of this commission, which is to have a, at this particular point in time where we're relatively calm, we're not in a crisis, we don't have to respond to an emergency or to a political uh, occurrence, let's take a step back, let's pause, let's get the best people around this and explain the nature of the problem, why we have it, why it's important, and what can be done. And Dan, you're right. Investors actually through 
the internet, social media, yeah. costless communication, they know how to have their voices heard. Right. It's been in governance, been in other things. Yeah. Investors, investors will be stepping up in this area. For a while, I, I believe that, that part of the problem could have been somewhat even generational in that you had uh, uh, CEOs, board members that were running the show for companies that maybe weren't as affluent uh, with this problem than maybe they should have been. But seemingly, that's, starting, that's going away. Do you, th do you think that's the case? Yes. I think that there was a perception, I had the perception myself, that this was a technology issue. Yeah. And it's way beyond a technology issue. Dave? I think the way to think about this, Dan, um, Jay and I, or at least I'll, I'll, I'll make a personal admission, I am far from being the smartest person in the room, <laughs> but, we, but we do have the opportunity to sit with some of the smartest people in the room. Sure. And some of them have written brilliant op-ed pieces in some of the leading publications. Some have made speeches. Some have written academic papers. If you take a step back and you listen to what people have been saying, the mm -hmm. smartest people in the room, uh, they're clearly saying that this is a bigger issue than we thought at the beginning. And this is clearly something that is going to need, I'll call it multi-generational and uh, very, very collaborative efforts if we're going to start to manage this in a more effective basis. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll go back to a theme. I'll say it another way. Trying to manage it on an individual basis or making it an individual responsibility yeah. is, is really a losing effort, I think. Gentlemen, great to see you. Yeah, I'll see you, you later this week. Look forward to it. Shared risks, shared solutions. Absolutely. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.